Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jones. Bowden. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four. And England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. We've had two days of, of test cricket at Hobart, Ashes Test Cricket. It's a bit like watching cricket in England with the low scores, the ball seeming all over the place. And actually, in a weird sort of way, although England's batting today was pretty lamentable, Simon, they took three quick wickets in the evening. Actually, they've got an outside chance of victory. Or am I just being totally deluded? Don't you start, Yoz. Have you not been watching since the 8th of December? England, chance of victory. There's more chance of me flying home without an aeroplane on Wednesday than England winning this test match. Wouldn't you say? I mean, I mean, they're already 152 runs behind. Australia got seven wickets in hand. Uh, England haven't managed to score 300 in one innings in this test series. There's a chance they'll be chasing something like 300. Depends how Australia apply themselves. Still got Steve Smith to dislodge. And it seems a long shot. If they were to bowl them out for 100, say, tomorrow, come back and bowl them out for 100, yeah, possibly, yeah. But it's going to need something really special with the ball first. They've still got to take seven Australian wickets. And, you know, Australia have shown in just about, well, in every test match so far that you know, even when England sort of dragged them back, that they get away again. And I imagine that is what is going to happen on the on the third day. Do you know, a little microcosm of the two teams, the performances of, with the bat, this is, Scott Boland and Stuart Broad. Mm. And I, I don't want to, you know, Stuart Broad's bold manfully and the way he got David Warner out today just underlined the futility, the insanity of him not playing in that first test, you realise he's only played one test when the Ashes were still alive in this series, the second test, and never played in that first test where he had that psychological hold. I think he's bowled something like 190 balls at uh, David Warner in the last four years and got him out about 12 times for an average of seven. And 
you know, infuriating. But anyway, I'm just going to talk about batting for a moment. Broad came in. England's innings was obviously wilting away. But actually, it was funny listening to David Gower and Mark Taylor on commentary. They were sort of expecting Broad to get out any ball. And in fact, even the cameraman was expecting Broad to get out any, every ball because the cameraman at deep cover just focused on the stumps. He didn't film the play at all. He just sat very tight on those zing bales, expecting them to explode off the top of the stumps at any moment. And it only took four balls. And Broad was, I don't know if he was trying to keep his feet out of the way of Mitchell Stark or what, but he was basically giving him a free rein at the stump, free aim at the stumps and dragged one on from outside off, fourth ball, bolt, bold onto his stumps. Now, Broad, you know, I know he's had issues, uh, you know, sort of, hit in the face and it's it's a horrible experience but he did have you know some really a, a real ability with the bat and we, we you know 160 against Pakistan I know it's a long time ago but he definitely had ability you can see the ball Scott Boland not a very good batsman a tail ender he survived to the end tonight he was hit twice on the gloves pretty painfully every ball that Mark Wood bowled was at the same speed as Stark and going for the, the ribs, that horrible area where tailenders really hate. And he stuck it out and he then defended the good balls and stayed in. And actually, you know, he was there for, what, nearly 20 minutes as Night Watchman, which is a very long time for a Night Watchman to bat. He, he just played every ball on its merits. You know, he didn't get flustered by being hit in the ribs or hit on the gloves a couple of times. And England could have taken, if England had got him out, then they would have had... Travis Head, and then they would have had Cameron Green to have a go at before the end of play, they could have got another two or three wickets. So, you know, that commitment and sort of dedication and just putting your psychological fears aside just for the sake of uh, a few minutes of defiance was a really impressive performance. Mm. Scott Boland will learn, though, Yoz. You'll learn. When, 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 he's, played under, when he's played 150 yeah. test matches, well, A, you'll learn not to be night watchman, and B, you'll learn to have a swing, get out, rather than face someone with a pink ball at you know, 140 kilometres an hour, as Stuart Broad was, was facing uh, against Mitchell Stark. Is that, but it, it was a bit like watching, I don't know, festival cricket? Did you ever play in Scarborough, the, the, you know, the festival at Scarborough? I've got, I've, got a terrible, I've got a terrible story <laughs> to tell you about festival cricket. You know, okay, I don't, well, I don't, mean, a, I don't mean Yoz. I'll tell you in the second half if you like <laughs> okay well yeah hang on for that let's but don't, let's not forget that i don't mean i don't mean sort of like in a festival championship match you know, sometimes you used to play the tilcon trophy or something like that i don't know you, yeah. teams used to be invited up to play i think it was in scarborough harrogate or somewhere you know and it was i mean it didn't really mean very much did it it was some sort of local sponsor got involved um mm. one of those shopping one of those supermarkets or something, and, and you, you, a few of you went up there and persuaded to play i don't know what you got out of it well you might be able to tell us in the second half of the of the podcast, but it was a didn't you not feel it was a bit like that today? I had a sort of end of term feeling about it. Almost both sides, in a, in a way, the way Australia batted this morning, it was almost like a shot a ball. Uh, you know, Kerry was trying to play a few shots, and of course, Lyon was able to play a few shots. And he, he did to Mark Wood what Mark Wood did to Cummins. There's no respect these days, is there? I know the I know the fast bowlers are steaming in and trying to knock you over, and they hit you on the glove and they crush your toes and all that sort of stuff. But some of those tail enders don't have to give it back to the the quick bowlers, and Lyon did that to Wood today. Yeah, I mean, you know, tail enders practice more than they used to, don't they? And they get fed a lot of bouncers. And actually, what's quite good is you can get those uh, sort of incredibles now 
fed into a bowling machine or with the dog thrower and and face genuine bouncers without getting hurt in the nets. And that, that's a very valuable sort of practice because it really is all about reaction and confidence as well. And I suppose with someone like Mark Wood, you kind of know what you're going to get a little bit with with, with Nathan Lyon knows you're going to get a lot of short balls. He can sit back on his stumps and, and wait for them. Whereas with someone like Pat Cummins, you're not so sure, are you? He's quite clever. He mixes up the bounces a, a bit more and and then pitches the odd one up as well, more, more than the odd one. So, it, it, you know, but, but batsmen down the order have the opportunity to... To, to practice this this sort of uh, approach, and and I think Nathan Lyon's right to, to do what he does because actually he's got a good eye and he hits the ball a long way, and so does Mark Wood. And they're and they're expected to score runs these days, aren't they? I mean, it's not it's, it's no longer the you know nine ten Jack and, and all you know the rabbits and the ferrets or whatever. You know you're, you're pretty much expected to score runs, and you, you, I think you're, well, you're certainly expected to have two suits, i.e. Uh, batting and bowling or batting and fielding or bowling and fielding and if you can have three suits as well I think that's that's ideal in the modern game and yeah and why, why not as well I mean they're paid they're paid well and, and you're right because you can practice these days you can in all sorts of different ways and you, so you can improve your skills and we you know we've seen lots of, sort of really poor batters down the order actually just improve that bit and sometimes you know it's absolutely vital isn't it we look we saw it in the last game when Jimmy Anderson came out you know 39 years of age admittedly he wasn't facing uh, you know Stark or Cummings but he was able to just show a bit of composure I actually watched that over again the other day he did actually play it really well that last over from Steve Smith because mm. the ball was just turning yeah. a little bit there were so many ra- men around the bat there was a lot of pressure but yeah, you, but you know, so it actually can really, it can really help your team. It is, isn't just about oh, just having a swing and getting out these days. You know, people are absolutely right to to practice your batting because it, it can save you a series, can't it? I mean, it, yeah, well, it did. Two thousand and nine, it did save England a series, help them win a series uh, when when Panasar and, and, and Anderson uh, blocked it out and, and drew that match in Cardiff. It was, you know, it wasn't particularly glorious in one way because Australia totally dominated the game. But in the end, it said a big D at the end, didn't it? it didn't say Australia win; it's a draw. So. There we go. Uh, so uh, let, let's talk about England's batting, Yoz, uh today. Uh, you, you, when you used to play in the championship to, to, towards the end of the season and you had nothing left to play for, was it a bit like that today? You know, where it was just harder to focus, harder to concentrate. You know you're coming to the end. Okay, you know it's a World Test Championship match. You know it's the Ashes. You know all the you know, things you're supposed to think and say. But is it just a, a bit harder when, it, when you're coming towards the end? Yeah, and and I think it's a bit like um, this is quite quite the right analogy, but you know when you go riding on a horse, are you are you a horse rider? You probably I have, not. I, ha- actually, I have no, I have ridden a horse actually. I well, have, uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, you know how you go for a ride on a horse, and you've got sort of you've booked an hour, and you take it out for half an hour, and then you think, oh, good, you know, sort of, I've uh, still got another half an hour to go, but soon, and so I better turn round, and you turn round, and it gallops back in fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, so you're done out of your fifteen minutes of your ride, and uh, I think it's a bit like that when you're a, a team at the end of the season, you sort of almost just want to get it over with, and you don't have the same preparation, focus, ambition, unless say your contract is up for grabs. But actually, contracts are normally decided in. July and August, so you probably know by then in September whether you're going to be re-engaged or not. Uh, so you know, I think you just if there's nothing to play for, and in this Test match there isn't really. Obviously, there's places at stake and all that, but you sort of because it, because the Ashes are not live, the series is gone. 
I think you just try and get it over with as quickly as possible and get it into fast forward and and you're just thinking about home you're thinking about next week being back with the family um you know going down the pub with your mates whatever you know you're just you you I think you're mentally detached from it and therefore sometimes that can help and free you up but also it probably makes you make elementary errors as well yeah, I mean, it does feel in this game it is a bit it's sort of end of tour feel, and you know, runs have been, runs have come quite quickly, haven't they? Lots of shots are being played. I mean, Australia the same as well. I mean, Travis Head came out and smashed it, and you know we, we talked about the Australians who came out and tried to whack it the, this morning, and you know there were a few shots played in the England innings as well. I mean, they were bowled out in forty seven point four overs. Yeah for 188 so the scoring rate was actually quite high today to one of the England's highest scoring rates of the series so far you, you uh, know you're mentally tired as well and, yeah. uh, and and actually I remember you know at the end of a season you're kind of coasting along largely on adrenaline towards the end because you played so much cricket and uh, it's, it's funny because you get to the end of the season and you literally the day after a couple of days after, you can't get out of bed you, you're just so exhausted mentally and physically that just can't do anything for a few days. I remember feeling I couldn't even cross the road on September the 28th, you know, four days after the end of the season, a couple of days after the end of the season. So, you know, the mental torment, especially of the batsmen and someone like Rory Burns being in the nets for hours, trying to kind of mould his technique a little bit and the thought processes of staying awake at night, thinking, you know, how am I going to overcome the issues that have, uh, cropped up this series just they, they eat away at you and then he gets run out <laughs> I mean yeah it, it was sort of sod's law sort of day for for Rory Burns I mean it was a and that, that and that's what can happen actually when you've got a new opening partnership you know you, you're not quite used to each other I mean you know there are openers who batted together a lot you can you can almost I mean you I don't know whether you've ever experienced this but if you batted with someone a lot sometimes you can just nod at them or you almost offer them the single and they come you just you have this sort of just sense of uh, a real solidarity yeah. with the person you're you're playing with but Burns hasn't opened the batting uh, with Crawley before because of you know, the various con combinations that England have used uh, in the last uh, few years it was a uh, he went I think no yeah and and there was a bit of hesitation from Crawley you saw that Burns wasn't quite coming and Burns initially stopped and then kept going I mean there's, you know it was quite a big single there actually uh, if they'd just gone and it actually showed in actual fact that even with a bit of hesitation they could have got home Burns didn't dive you know, if a dive would have saved him, and I think you know that desperation to to save your wicket, which some batters it comes, I think perhaps more naturally too. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to remember thinking about Rory Burns' dive. He probably has dived to, to make his ground in in previous. Years. Perhaps he didn't see the. Perhaps he didn't sense the threat was so great. Um, I suppose he's used to watching England throw the ball at the stumps and miss the whole time. Uh, perhaps he didn't think the throw was going to hit the stumps, but you know, and it was just—it really was just a fraction. He he was out, but of course that's enough. It's, so it's a very important position that mid-off position, actually, and uh, I, 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 that's been brought home to me a little bit because in one-day cricket, Chris Jordan quite often in T20 fields at mid-off. AB de Villiers used to field there for South Africa in short formats, and you can create runouts if you've got the sharpest field. It used to be the field where the place where the, the bowler relaxing after he's over stood or somebody who was a bit slow off the mark but actually mid-off now is a very important position and Labuschagne was quick there he was also quite tight and I'm sure that Pat Cummins uh, emphasizes that early on 
you know, get in tight. I don't want batsmen getting easy singles. So that was just very good opportunism and, and again, sharp out cricket by Australia, which has very much decorated their, their performances all series. The other thing it underlined to me as well, it made me think about this again, how many runouts weren't given out in the old days, but you know, before DRS came in, because it was such a tight call. Actually, it was a really good piece of, of camera work because I, you know, I, was, I was watching it on the television and when I saw it with my naked eye, I was thinking, like, is that out or not out? And my, my reaction was not out. I thought, I thought Burns was home. And I'm sure there are lots of umpires over the years who've, who've thought that exactly the same thing in a situation like this, because it all happens in a blur so quickly. It's sort of like an instinct, isn't it? You develop whether it's out or not. And I, thought, I actually thought not out. But as you see, it was just fractionally out. I'm, sh I'm sure there have been so many batters who've been reprieved uh, over the time. And probably batsmen, yeah, and, and also batsmen who've come in being given out, saying I was never out. You know, I bet you Burns probably thought he was safe there, yeah. and it was just a couple of a couple of inches. You, know, you, you, you we've both played in cricket matches where you know batsman walks off. Going, How could that be out? You know, whether it was LBW or run out. And you're right, probably more were were than they thought. Yeah, I don't think I was ever LBW though in club cricket ever. <laughs> not, not not once. Ollie Pope today, uh, I know you, you tweeted about this. I mean, he's got this really good first-class record. You were talking the other day, actually, about players you know, in the county game who've got you know, significant averages. And Johnny Bairstow has got an average over 40. Joshua Hannon at Lancashire, actually, has got an average in the, in the, in the low 40s. I was looking at this today. Uh, Root, um, but also Pope, who averages 50 in first-class cricket. And he's got this great record at the Oval. And yet there's a sort of itchiness about his batting, isn't there? I mean, that dismissal today... It was a really poor piece of test cricket. He was, he was looking perfectly nice at the crease, wasn't he? He looked at the balance, played a couple of crisp shots. He just did not need to play at that that ball. He could just let it go, a bit like Smith or Labuschagne or whoever has been doing you know, pretty well for Australia in this series. Yeah, I, I mean, I watched Ollie Pope bat a lot. In fact, I remember you and I were at um, an oval match mm. um, against Yorkshire early season and he, he played really well there and got 100. And it was quite juicy conditions for bowling, and he had some good bowlers, the likes of you know Trip Tim Bresnan and so on bowling at him. I thought then, if there's one weakness he had, it was occasionally going for a fiddle outside off stump when he didn't need to. But the the standard of bowling, obviously in county cricket, not quite as high or not nearly as high as these Australians, and. I think the other thing is, in that over in which he was out, he also played a loose drive, actually, early in the over against Scott Boland and uh, played missed. And I think it, it's also about conditions. It's also about what is the ball doing today. When I'm playing against a pink ball, the, the, the surface is quite green. There's a little bit of bounce. He's getting the ball just to swing. So you've got to be more selective. You've got to have better judgment. That little run shot that he tried to play might be all right, you know, later in the innings or, you know, on a flatter pitch, somewhere like the Adelaide Oval or somewhere like that, you know, on a dry, sunny day. That might work. But it was a very, very poor piece of judgment in that situation where the bowler is obviously getting a bit of movement. It's lifting a little bit off a length. You know, there, there was slips, corns already... It wasn't going to get him any runs, or it might have got him one at the most. And you've just got to bide your time and read the situation. And that was the most disappointing part of it. You know, he, in future innings, he probably will get runs with that shot in the right 
conditions, but it was just... And I, I think also that the way he's um, set up now, where he's standing on off stump and sort of moving almost outside off stump, I mean, I know Steve Smith does that, but he's pretty unique. I think it causes batsmen more problems and uh, because suddenly if you're changing your setup to standing on off stump, you're not sure what to leave anymore, I don't think, on, on what to play. And you're ending up playing at balls at sort of sixth and seventh stump outside off stump. Whereas if you stand in your normal stance, which he would always have done, you know, as a kid growing up and probably the last few years, standing on middle and legs, say, and moving across to middle and off, then that ball would not have been challenging for him to play. He wouldn't have wanted to play at that ball because it would have been that much wider. So... I think it's flawed thinking to stand on off stump like that for him. It might work for somebody else, Steve Smith, who's done it all his career, but I don't think it works for Ollie Pope uh, because it's making him play at balls he doesn't need to. Mm. David Milan was brought into the England side at number three against India. You know, they had to completely rejig their top order because of the problems that they've had. Australia gradually worn him down, haven't they? They've, they've got on top of him in this series. You know, it can often happen in those long series. Uh, he, he made uh, 25 today. But he was actually caught behind on 13, and Australia didn't review it. Um, what, what, what do they do with, with, with David Milan? Is it, I mean, there's been, you know, there were a couple of decent scores, weren't there, at the start of the series? But the, the, the longer it's gone on, he's just not been yeah. able to uh, control, I don't know, control mm. the whole thing, control that number three position. He's, he's, he's a very passive player, isn't he? And that this was the thing that used to get um, certainly supporters annoyed about his T20 performance that he comes in and he gets the runs and he's actually he gets his strike rate up in the end but for the first few balls in the T20 game he doesn't do much he just stands there and sort of dabs it here and there he, he he's not he doesn't use his he doesn't have a sort of strong personality and that can be great if you've lost an early wicket he's got a reassuring presence because he doesn't seem to get flustered but you also want a player who can sense the, the opportunity and the initiative and seize it too. And I feel like he's just someone who um, reacts rather than proacts, perhaps. And yeah, he's done okay. You know, it's a bit unfair to criticise him too heavily because he's one of the only players who's made a couple of decent scores. But I don't know. I just feel like he doesn't feel like it's proactive enough to me. Yeah. I think I think he tried today. Actually, I think there were signs that he tried to play uh, one or two shots, but actually, in the in the innings of twenty five, he was essentially out twice. But they only worked it out once. They, they he was out. They didn't review the the first one. He was caught down the leg side again uh, for the second time in the series. But there was a sort of cavalier sort of approach from England today. One hundred eighty eight. All that. I mean, you know, Chris Wokes uh, making thirty six. England's top score. He was dropped twice. And Australia been making a few. Errors, but I think there's there are enough. You can create enough chances. The decent bowling attack on this pitch, you can create enough chances, can't you? You know, it is a, you know, if you create fourteen chances or fifteen chances or whatever it was, you know, that you know, ten of them will pretty go your way, you know, most of the time. Yeah. You know, for, they're, for they're actually their slip corners too close together. I think. Yeah. I mean, they're getting in each other's way. Kawaja dived right across in front of Smith and tried to take one, which was going straight into Smith's right mitt. So. I don't think they've got that quite right, really. And Warner's sort of a 50% man. Uh, so, yeah, but they, their bowlers create so many chances. It doesn't matter, does it? Uh, what about Sam Billings? Uh, I mean, I, I texted you uh, sort of, while he was batting out there. I said he, he, he almost looks as if he was the only England batter today 
enjoying it. Um, is, that's probably, is that no coincidence because he's sort of come in, it's his debut, he's exuberant. For him, it's new, it's fresh, it's exciting. And he actually, he actually played like that for, for a bit today as well. Yeah, it's, it's natural, isn't it? That you, you, he's nothing to lose. It's a complete uh, un, unexpected opportunity. And he's that sort of personality anyway. He's a, he's an, you know, he's an optimistic sort of engaging character who seizes any opportunity he gets and loves cricket. You know, he, he I remember sort of talking to him about his, his upbringing and he's got this barn uh, on his father's land, sort of, I think it's a farm. And he just used to play for hours with, I think, his brother, um, just experimenting with the game, batting right-handed and left-handed and trying all the different shots. And he's, he's a sort of a cricket badger a little bit, really. And so what a, what a wonderful opportunity. You know, he would totally uh, never entertain the idea of playing in an Ashes Test match or a Test match at all, really, even a few months ago. And suddenly to get this opportunity. And he's just a, a very enterprising batsman uh, I know people think of him as largely a, a one-day player coming in at six and seven but he's open for England in one-day cricket in fact and and played pretty well uh, so he's got all the makings of being a very talented test cricketer actually and he showed certainly some glimpses today I thought he played uh, the pace of start really well and he recognized the opportunities to score and hit a couple of nice drives off Cummins, and yeah, probably a little bit of a shame he got out. I mean, hooking on this pitch is a little bit dangerous because the ball is you know, it's sort of back coming off at different heights, and a few people have been caught in the deep. But he was trying to play his natural game, and I think his natural game is a good one. Yeah, all, all three of Mark Wood's wickets, for example, were off short balls. He got Cameron Green on the first day and he banked out two uh, lower order players today, uh, Stark and Cummins. So, yeah, so the, the short ball has worked uh, quite well. And, and that was another short ball that uh, Green bowled to Billings and Boland on the fine leg boundary to the catch off the top edge. One, one thing I thought that was a bit of a bonus for England uh, this evening was the fact that Ollie Robinson was able to bowl because if you go into a second innings and you're already 100 runs behind and you've only got three main bowlers and Joe Root, I mean, gradually the opposition are going to wear you down. It might well be that Australia will wear England down in any case, but at least that just gives them a bit of control. You know, Joe Root hasn't got to be constantly scratching and asking, scratching his head and you know, asking some bowlers to do more than perhaps he would like them to do, especially at this stage of the tour. So, I mean, you know, in terms of you know, what might happen on the third day and whether England still are in this game or not, the fact that, if, you know, if, presumably if Robinson comes back with, and, and pulls up OK tomorrow morning, they, they, you know, they still got that potential for control on the third day with those uh, four seamers on this pitch. I mean, how many do you think... It's a difficult question to answer, isn't it, after what we've seen in the last uh, two months or, or whatever, six weeks. How many do you think England could chase successfully in the fourth innings of this match? What, what have they got to do to re realistically give themselves an opportunity of winning the game? They could chase 175. <laughs> oh, right. Well, that means they've got to take the last seven wickets for about 25 then. Yeah. Well, you know, between 175 and 200, they could chase. I think any more is, is unlikely. Because it's just, and the Australian attack is so good. I mean, but Boland is bowling; he's been immaculate. And of course, they've got Cameron Green as well, who's bringing it down from that fantastic height, getting the ball to nip around. He seems to kind of have quite a good understanding of the art of bowling as well. Um, obviously, they've got Cummings. I haven't even needed uh, Nathan Lyon. So, 
I mean, they're such an excellent attack. Uh, I, I think 175, more than that, is beyond England. But Robinson's, uh, you know, having him back in the in the in the attack today just showed what they missed yesterday, and he was almost back up to his his sort of fairly consistent pace. And I think, you know, the, actually Shane Warne picked this up last summer. You know, he said if if Ollie Robinson's going to have a decent Test career, he's got to get fitter. And that's been admitted by the England camp. And, uh, you know, he's just got to be able to maintain and even extend his pace a little bit and, and his stamina. Well, it's, it's very clear what the England management think about his fitness because, I mean, they, they've made it public, haven't they? And that, that's often a last resort. I mean, just, you know, what happens so internally, yeah, you, you, you pass the message on. If it's not received, then it's, then it's sort of filtered out into the public. So everyone, everyone's sort of talking about it in a way and you feel perhaps as a player, oh, yeah, right, well, the, the scrutiny is really on me now and I do need to get fit. So what, what, when you talk about getting fit, um, you know, he, bowl, he bowls his over. He's bowled f- four test matches in this uh, series. What, what, what are we talking about here in terms of, of getting fit? What, what do we mean by that? Well, I think he needs to. I think he needs to go running. Actually, he needs to do more actual running and just build up strength in his legs. Someone like Jimmy Anderson. I, I remember seeing a film actually of Jimmy running on the sands near Morecambe in um, in Lancashire, and you just got to do put in the work, and it it's hard. I once, um, when Freddie Flintoff was getting fit um, after an ankle operation, I actually went and spent a day with him in the in the in the fells, the Lancashire fells, and he was with Rooster Roberts, Dave Roberts, who was the England physio and trainer at the time, and uh, we we actually went for a run in the fells, and it was quite, it was pretty hard. We probably ran for over an hour, but what we did was interval training. So you'd run for five minutes as if it was an over, yeah. and then you'd walk for five minutes as if it was, you know, you were at the, you know, slip, standing at slip or standing at mid off. Then you run again for five minutes, then, then walk for five minutes, and we did that for over an hour up and down hills and you know quite sort of arduous countryside. But that's the kind of thing. And then actually, if you do it like that rather than just plodding around Hove the the ground it's actually more a bit more interesting as well so whether where ollie lives has any hills or anything well there are some hills there's the south downs in sussex i i think he has to do some proper you know hill running actually and build some more strength up in his legs so that he can keep going in those long days in the field and uh, it's about um it's a mental thing as well you know it's about pushing yourself a bit beyond what you're used to doing. You know, lots of cricketers hate running. Owen Morgan hates running, you know, but luckily as a batsman, he doesn't have to so do much running, does he? So, um, just keeps belting into the crowd. Because ju- <clears throat> just belting into the crowd. So, so Ollie, Ollie has got to do some hard yards on, you know, plodding the streets or the, the hills around where he lives and, and just get, get stronger and fitter. Mm. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, you're a player like that who he sort of come into it quite late, isn't he? Making his debut at the age of 27, having a lot of success and he's got some skill and he's, he's, his record so far has been excellent so over the, the test matches he's played. He's taking his wickets at about 20, which is, you know, extremely mm. good, isn't it? And so, <clears> you know, there's, there's, there's something to work with. But I suppose what I suppose the frustration of the England management would be if he didn't really build on that now because you, you have mm. got a great opportunity 
opportunity in the England team, yeah. and what a you know, what a fantastic thrill that is. You know, it's it's the sort of summit. You know, it's the peak of your career, isn't it? You're in the. But it's got to be something you want yeah. to do. It's got to be something that in in inside you. And look at someone like Stuart Broad. The reason why he's so and Jimmy. The reason why they're so successful is a they keep themselves incredibly fit, and b they keep trying to improve. Broad goes away and figures out things with his action and tries different deliveries and all that in the nets. And often you'll see him bowling at a stump in an indoor school or something. You have to do that. Obviously, lots of bowling. Another one other thing that I found actually quite useful, and I think Ollie would also find useful, is swimming. Because, uh, again, it's it's boring, but it builds up your, your body, your core, your back, your shoulders. And that's where he's got, you know, some suspects areas. So, you know, lots of... Which, which is great for your heart as well. If you plough up and down a pool, you know, for 40 minutes or something, that, that's really good. And, and it's not, uh, it's a stress-free um, training as well. So I would, su- I would suggest he has to do some of that. But again, it's about whether he's got the desire to or not. Well, the message has gone out to him. I think that's, that's pretty clear, both sort of internally now, externally, the fact that it's been you know, vocalised in, in the media. And so I suppose it, the focus will now be on him, whether he's able to do what the England management want him to do. Right, so we're moving towards uh, the end of this test series. It's unlikely to go to a fifth day. It might well end on the third day, more likely to end on the fourth day. But what we are going to end on is that story, Oz. I haven't forgotten that story you were going to tell. Go on. Well, it was, um, it was your favourite county, Gloucestershire. Um, it was a one-day gap, a Sunday match at Cheltenham, the great Cheltenham Festival, which was always a tremendous uh, time because it's a great pitch for a start and a lovely surroundings, but also there's marquees all around the ground, and they um, they they you know they have lots of entertainment and drinks and nice food and everything like that. And we we turned up for this Sunday league game near the end of the season, uh, sort of I think it was August sort of time, and we were out of the potential you know Sunday league. And it was raining, and we were actually all thinking, oh, great, we've had five or six days on the road here, um, quite a tough few county matches, day off, it's raining. But better than that, they've got all these marquees around the ground, so we turn up at about 12.30 for a two o'clock start, teeming down with rain, we get stuck into the um, smoked salmon and the champagne and the pims and stuff like that, just in small quantities, um, in the marquees, the sponsors' marquees, lovely. There's no chance of play. It's absolutely teeming down with rain. Um, you know, we're just going to have a lovely afternoon, enjoying ourselves really with a few friends and some sponsors and stuff. And at four thirty, after about two and a half hours of quite enjoying ourselves, uh, the rain stopped, and because Chelt was on a bit of a slope, all the water had run off. And within about 45 minutes, the umpires that had an inspection came out and said, we're playing a 10-over game. And? So we had to play a 10-over game. Well, I mean, I, I couldn't hit the cut strip. Well, well that was no, that was no I different. Two, <clears throat> I think I bowled two overs for about 24. And uh, I remember, actually, John Embry could barely bowl as well. And he was normally incredibly accurate. And uh, no, it was just embarrassing. It was it was like a, a pub game. Um, it was probably very entertaining for the spectators, but the standard of cricket was absolutely appalling. Um, and then we retired back to the bar in slight, uh, slightly with our tails between our legs. But it was it was fun while it lasted. 
Well, the Ashes hasn't descended to that level uh, yet. Uh, you're still still plenty to play for on the last uh, couple of days of this uh, Test match. I don't know professional sport. It it really it it. it I mean I don't, well well it's, it's the thing is I don't think that's the only story. Cause I've heard plenty of stories like that of, of those sorts of you know Sunday League festival matches where people uh, think the game's off and then it's, suddenly it's on again. You have to grab your whites and your boots. Maybe England will be better off actually playing with a few drinks tomorrow when they're chasing 240 to win. 240, that, that's optimistic. We'll see. Anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens on the third day and we'll review it for you this time tomorrow. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.